Hi, mamas, and thank you for turning back for part two of IVF journey as a queer mom. As you all know, Danielle left off with her last episode talking about how she wasn't sure if they were going to try for baby number two. So in this episode, we talk about the next step and what Danielle has decided to do. Trigger warning to anybody who's listening, this does talk about a lot of difficulties and explores the emotional toll that IVF can take on someone. If you are currently on this IVF journey and you are struggling, I just want to give you a heads up that this particular episode goes deep into talking about the emotional toll and the cost of IVF. As always, this is Moms with Moms. Moms offering mom support with moms on microphones. Thank you so much for tuning in for part two, and I hope you're ready and you have your glass full. Before we get started, I am going to have a brief recap, talking a little bit about who Danielle is and kind of her journey, and then I'm going to dive right into it with her. So I identify as a lesbian, um, and I've been out for like, well, right after I graduated, so about 15 years now. And I am a therapist that works primarily with um, queer and gender diverse folks. And we kind of said, like, after we had Benny, um, that, you know, this is going to be the year of just, just him. Like, I was like, I don't want to talk about fertility treatments. I don't want to talk about, we knew, we've always said we wanted two kids, but I was like, I don't even want to go there. Like, I just want to enjoy being a mom, enjoy my kid. You know, at that point we had two embryos in the freezer still and a vial of sperm still. So we were like, we're kind of set up here to have another kid. We've got, we got the, we've got two other tries and a vial of sperm to do another round of IVF if we need to. How long do they last for? I mean, indefinitely. I don't know if they're cryogenically frozen. So, you know, just like the sperm, (laughs) they're on, everything's on ice. Um, (laughs) Which fun fact, it costs us $200 a month to store our two embryos in the vial of sperm yeah so i mean it was 100 for the embryos 100 for the sperm so once we like used up the embryos like uh, then we were saving money but i was like this is just like robbery it's just crazy like but you know what it's like we pay it because we're desperate that's what you want Mm -hmm. and this is what we do and this is what other choice do you have you know so you pay it and there was a while there where we were like, what if we just have one kid? Do I want to do this all again? Like, it really did go back into therapy because of the fertility stuff, because it was just um, the emotional roller coaster of it was just something that I really had no, no idea was going to be so intense. Um, I like my genetics. <laughs> have you seen my kid? He's adorable. <laughs> he is, and he's another funny. One. He's so funny. <laughs> I'd really like to make another one. Um, I really think that my DNA and the donor's DNA combine very well together. And I think we've got a good thing going. So I'm like, let's just let's not change it up. So eventually I was like, let's, yeah, let's do it. Like we have two embryos left. Like, and I don't know, like we would regret if we didn't um, try. We would always, we would always wonder, we would always want to know were those siblings were those our babies you know and I know like they are just embryos like I don't 
but I worked so hard for them, you know? And so that I had a hard time with being like, I worked so hard for them to just like get rid of them. Um, so I transferred the first one around May of this year. So I had to go back. I had to get repeat testing all done again. Um, I had a, a new genetic panel done and I don't entirely remember why, but I did. Um, and I had to get the HSG done again, or no, I had to say the saline done again, because they wanted to make sure that my uterus looked okay post pregnancy. And there was nothing, no scar tissue, no, whatever, like left. Yeah. Um, everything was fine. Good to go. And, um, transfer the first embryo on May, nothing happened. So not even a chemical, like nothing. So I was like, this is not a good sign. Like this embryo just like didn't even attach didn't even try like and I still wonder like what if that embryo was good it just there was an issue that it couldn't implant I don't know I will never know and then my second try was in like July and I did get pregnant um but that was a chemical so and that one I went in and my beta was like 13 it was like they were like yeah. no yeah they were like there isn't even a, probably a chance that this could double and turn into something so so then it was like okay like so are you done or are you gonna do another round and I was I really had sat for a long time I'm like I'm not doing this again I'm not doing it like we'll try with the other embryos but I'm not doing this again but then you do it again um <laughs> because I want another baby and well, I is- feel like you haven't exhausted all options really yet like right. I think that's the hardest thing. And you've said it before in one of your stories is you don't want to look back and regret it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to look back and be like, why didn't I do that? Yeah. I think um, people don't like so many people, if anyone who listens like to your, your podcast struggles with infertility, like I know that they will identify with the fact of like, it is hard to know when to stop too. Like, because there isn't like, it, it's either like you have to set a dollar amount for yourself or you have to set a year limit or something because unless, unless a doctor tells me you cannot get pregnant, then I'm like, well, I'm going to try. Um, and then it kind of became like, well, we've had, we've been paying to store this damn vial of sperm. <laughs> so, um, you know, we should use it because we've literally at this point, we've paid more in storage fees than it's actually worth. So, you know, and we, they would be genetic siblings, which is really cool. Um, so, but then we have different insurance this time around. So I went to go buy my medications and they were like, okay, so your total is going to be $6,100. And I was like, awesome. (laughs) I was like, I can't afford that. Like I could throw it on a couple credit cards and have it absolutely kill us financially. Like I was gonna say, and then end up being bankrupt because yeah, you just like, have to pay for this. And that is not how much money that I had to spend the first time around. So we so it turned out we didn't realize when we bought our health insurance plan how problematic it would be, but we have like 35% co-insurance for medication. So <laughs> that six grand figure was 35% of what the total really was, which is around 18 grand for these meds. 
like out of pocket. It's just insane. Like, and that's just to try to get pregnant. It's not like you pay that and you're guaranteed a baby. Um, so we went back and forth on it. Like, what do we do? Because this is not like we, okay, well maybe we wait to the new year. We get a new insurance plan. Um, maybe we, this is our sign that we need to be done because we're not going to jeopardize the well-being of of our child that we have who is living and breathing and has needs um and you know but it, by the grace of whoever i'm not a religious person but a friend of mine like reached out and was like hey are you still looking for meds so there's like local um ivf support groups that you can post in there like that you're looking for baby making supplies um, and no money can be exchanged. Um, but a lot of folks, because we have such generous, generous coverage in our state, like people have leftover meds and they'll donate it to other like IVF warriors who need um, more like self-pay. Cause there are a lot of us that are self-pay. Um, and it actually was cheaper for me to pay for a medication out of pocket than to pay for it through insurance because there was such a markup on it. It's insanity. <laughs> other things that I've learned along the way about this kind of shit that, I never had a knowledge basis for that I've now learned about. So like something like the the ovarian stimulating medication that I had to use, it's in this like preloaded pen form and out of pocket, they're like $793 a pen, which is two doses for me because I was on the highest dose of the medication. Um, my friend was able to connect us with this this family, this other two mom family who sadly were giving up on their IVF journey because it just was mm. not working for them. And they had more than enough of the medication that I needed and just gave it to me. So it literally saved us awesome. thousands of dollars. So all of a sudden it was like, okay, we're back on. We're doing IVF again, I guess. I believe in like the universe doing things and telling you right. this is what you're supposed to do. Like, I right. feel like that was the universe of saying like, no, don't give up. Keep going. I know. I was like, well, this is like a gift. So we're going to take this gift and we're going to roll with it and see what happens. Um, and so we were able to sort of piecemeal, like got these two different meds from them, which were the most expensive ones. So that was nuts. Um, and then I bought, I got some others from this pharmacy, some others. It was crazy. I I like, and mind you, I work full time and I'm a mom full time. And so between clients, I'm like calling pharmacies to like price out different medications and shit like that to try to do this in the most cost effective way possible. It's just crazy. And that's probably when you kind of started tuning into my stories. Like I was like, you know, miracles happen for our family. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to document this because the first time around, I was really quiet about my story and not like I was open, but I wasn't like documenting it as I have been this time around. Um, and certainly not like talking to the camera like I have been doing now. Um, because it also just like wasn't the thing that you did back in 2020. But now it's kind of people are a lot more like vlog style type of deal of things. And I was like, I don't know, I'm into that kind of content. So I was like, why don't I share it? You know, we're just more open about what we're struggling with. And we want to help somebody else who's struggling. Like, it's not about bitching. Do we bitch? Yep. But guess what? It's because I think it's okay to bitch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, it's just been so eye-opening to see your content and to like learn about this. I've had no idea. Um, yeah. And 
So I just kind of floated it. Like, would people be interested in me posting more about this and like following along? And like, so many people were like, yup, please do. And I was like, cool. I like to talk. So let's do it. I told you, I literally look forward to look forward to it. Like, I'm like, okay, what's happening in the next week of this episode? But, you know, this this round was crazy. I mean, my last, my first round of IVF was very straightforward, like stimmed, cool, look at all these eggs, awesome. And then like four embryos, wow, look at this, we, you have an awesome shot. This time around, different story. Um, I mean, I went in and had my blood work done and my numbers were half of what they were before and they were already bad. So <sighs> like, like I'm officially diagnosed with like low AMH and low um and diminished ovarian reserve whereas before it was like borderline amh and like borderline diminished ovarian reserve now it's like so no. Does, i remember you saying back in the beginning if you're considered infertile you get more supports financially yeah so are you at that point yet so yes <laughs> because <laughs> but real realistically my doctor still considers me um why did I just blank on the word? Um, fertile, infertile? No, not infertile. She still <laughs> considers, considers me um, undetermined. Like, there's no, there's no, like, yes, I have a low egg count and all these things, but it shouldn't keep me from getting pregnant. Um, so, just a walking disaster, but don't know what the disaster is. Yeah, I'm like, it's just so ridiculous. So, you know, and so she, again, she was like, I, she actually switched up my medications because she, the, I had maxed out the dose on one of them on my last round. So she wanted to put me in another med that she can crank up even higher. <laughs> it was like, cool. Um, and that one was of course more expensive. Of course. Um, so, but I was like, whatever, fuck it like I don't what I what, what am I I have no choice again like I'm not gonna be like oh never mind like I don't have a choice you're already this what you this deep in um and that was the med that this time around also had just crazy side effects like I because I was pumping hcg into my body so I was having yeah. headaches nausea um the wild pregnancy dreams even though I'm not pregnant like it's just crazy um and kind of a mind because I'm not pregnant, but I felt it. Um, my mm-hmm. boobs were hurting, like, and that wasn't quite the same my first round because it wasn't HCG that I was using. And I had to go in for monitoring so much more this time because nothing was really happening. And they were like, okay, well, we see a few over here. We see a few over there. Like, and then eventually it was just kind of like, this might just be as good as we're going to get. Um, and so it was like, my final monitoring appointment before they told me to do my trigger shot, which makes you ovulate and like release the follicles. Um, I just had four. So um, I was like, I really was concerned they were going to call off the IVF cycle. So that's a thing where they cancel it and they're just like, it's considered poor response. And they're just like, sometimes like for straight people, they'll sometimes convert it to an IUI, but and that wouldn't have done it. That would have gotten, that would have made us lose our only vial of sperm. So that just like, wasn't going to happen. Um, but they were like, nope, it's fine. Like if you have at least three follicles, they will go forward with the retrieval. And I had four. Uh, so I was like, all right, we're doing it. Um, and then, yeah, my doctor came in after the surgery and was like, so I got three. And I was like, three eggs. 
like oh my god which is the minimum of what you needed yeah and I'm just like you know that's less than half of what I got last time I got seven and it's just I mean it's just I don't know I was like what are you gonna do with that (laughs) you know like because like I said like each step of the way like you stuff drops off so it was I guess one of my follicles was just empty so I had four follicles but there was no egg in it um which is interesting that that's a thing that happens um and then they fertilize them that day so they thaw our donor sperm and they put it together with the the egg and um they were able to two out of three were able to fertilize which that shocked me because I was like all right they're gonna call me and tell me none of them fertilized or none Mm -hmm. of them are mature but nope like two of them fertilized and they kept and I then I was waiting like literally day of to go in for the transfer I was waiting for them to say sorry like the embryo's arrested we've got nothing to transfer but nope they were like and you know I had documented that like my doctor called and was like I really want to put two in and I was like holy shit and that was that was another big thing too but it was like I so tell them, tell us like what that is. Cause I think that's really crazy too, is like, what could happen I'm with so these two lovely it. eggs? Yeah. So I have a beautiful niece and nephew that are IVF babies because my, my sister-in-law had two embryos put in and I was like, we will never do that. Like I am never voluntarily signing up for twins. No, like I cannot afford it. I don't have the bandwidth. I can't, I can't put two, I can't put twins in daycare. Like there's no way, there's no way. And you know, the safest thing is to have a singleton pregnancy, like always. If you sign yourself up for twins, you're signing yourself up for a higher risk pregnancy. It just is what it is. But then my doctor had said way back when, when we first like restarted treatment or when we, when we were going back in for another round of IVF specifically, she said, you know, you're going to get, prepare yourself to get less embryos this time. You're, you're going to get less, you're going to get less, you know, embryos. This is what your numbers say. And so she was like, if we only get two embryos, I might be inclined to put both in at the same time. And I was, and Annie and I were like, no, 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 you won't be doing that. Um, and she was like, yeah, I was like, we have a two bedroom house. Are you insane? Um, (laughs) and he was just like okay like you'd, you'd rather do the one I was like no you have twins when you put two babies in there like no <laughs> um but I understood what she was saying too of like we know we only want one more kid like some people go into IVF being like well let's see how much we can make because we want to have a basketball team well that that's not us um, or as many as we can have you know but we we were like nope too like we were even entertaining one and done. So, um, but then again, she said like, you know, you only have the four eggs and then it was like, okay, I only got three. And then she said, again, if we have two embryos and one is like a poorer quality than the other one, I want to, I'm inclined to put both of them in because there's risk for loss and like attrition of embryos so they she said you know if we get I think it was 
if we get less than three, I don't know, it's all numbers. So it was like, if we get less than whatever X amount, then um, we're going to do a day three transfer, like right off the bat. So, oh, I think it was, if it was less than four eggs, we're doing a day three transfer um, because basically we can't afford to lose um, stuff. And so sure enough, she, she comes in and tells me three eggs. She's like, so you're doing a day three transfer. And I'm like, okay. And then, sure. then it's okay. Now here we are with the two embryo problem. I'd like to put them both in. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I initially said, no, like, I really don't want to do that. I really don't feel comfortable with that. Like just put in the best quality one. Like it is what it is. And then my doctor personally called me and was like, cause I had just been talking with a nurse and she was like, listen, like, if we put in the best quality embryo, you're not, you're going to lose the other one. Like it's not going to make it to day five to be able to be frozen. And what if that, like that one could still result in a pregnancy, but what if you lose it and you don't have that shot? And I'm like, oh, you like for being right, you know, but like, you know, she doesn't have a PhD or like an MD for nothing, you know? Um, so I was like, all right. I, I just, well, it was crazy. I mean, she said to me, I was like, well, what do you, what do you recommend? Like, I don't know. How does, how does somebody, how does somebody make this choice? You know? And she was like, well, what is your priority? Is your priority pregnancy at all cost, or is it the safest pregnancy possible? And I was like, honestly, pregnancy at all cost. I was like, I hate that. I, that that is the two things I have to contend with. Like I have to knowingly sign up for a potentially high-risk pregnancy um but I know that I don't have a lot of chances left and so I feel obligated to be like no like everything possible pregnant yeah and so she was like okay then we need to put both in and I was like okay wouldn't do embryos in so (laughs) I have two embryos in (laughs) yeah so I am chilling here right now with uh, two embryos in me and it is the running joke in my house about well when the twins are here and I'm like Annie I swear to god like we're not manifesting this I cannot have two babies well maybe if you manifest it it won't happen right yeah right that seems to be my luck I don't think it works that way but um so that was my transfer was on the 30th so I can't I mean I won't know officially my beta isn't until um the 12th but as soon as like Wednesday I can start testing at home to see if I'm pregnant so but I won't know obviously if there's one or two babies if I am pregnant until my first ultrasound which won't be until seven weeks so so if I am pregnant um, I don't even know. What happens if it's two? Girl, you're gonna <laughs> I don't know. Because it is a very real possible. My doctor said that the risk is like less than ten percent. So like and I'm definitely not that type of person that stuff that is less than ten percent would happen for. I'm just not. I don't have that good luck good of a luck. Um like if you told me I was pregnant with twins, I mean, I would be happy. Like, well, happy is a loaded thing. I, you would be like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would have to accept it. Like, I wouldn't do anything about that. Like, I don't know. Like, 
I love being a mom. It is my greatest joy in life. It is my hobby. It is my definition of self at the moment. Like I genuinely believe I was put on this planet to be a mom and to have kids. So we would figure it out. Like parenting wise, I'm not worried about it. I think Annie and I are an amazing team um, and amazing co-parents and she's so great with kids. It's honestly like the money, like, and that sucks, like being like, and that's, that's what we felt even just trying for another kid. Like, I was like, who are we trying for another kid? Like we're broke. (laughs) But then I'm like, do straight people think about this or do they just like, oh my gosh, we're pregnant. Like crazy. We'll figure it out, you know? But I felt like our debt to income ratio is too high to start trying for another baby. Like, um, just so unfair. Like, I think we are a society that is more accepting, which I absolutely love. But because we're more accepting, shouldn't we be able to be helping you guys live the best life possible? Like doing things like you shouldn't have, that, this shouldn't be a worry. Like you shouldn't have to sit there and spend all this money to get pregnant and then be like, oh crap, what if we have twins? Cause we just spent all this money trying to get pregnant. Like you have a right to get pregnant. I know that's a very good point. And it's interesting. Cause like when we first back when we were trying for Benny and when we first said that we were trying to get pregnant, like we were afraid to tell people because we were afraid that people were going to be like, you're too poor to have a kid as if like lower income and we're not even lower income. We just have debt, but like, as if like, who doesn't people don't can't have kids. Like, I don't know. I was just like, I have a hard time believing that this is said to straight people. And I really was like, I was about to say, do you think that's what's said to a heterosexual relationship? No, I really don't think people are like assessing like your income before they respond to if they're excited for you or not. You know what I mean? It's very weird that like we felt like we had to prove that it was okay for us to be parents. I don't know. It's been a long, it's been such a long journey and definitely do not receive the same amount of support as the straight people, but they certainly like the outcome of it. You know what I mean? Like The thought is that the weaker of the embryos, the less, the lower graded one is just not going to turn into anything. And the other one is the more likely to, but we don't know. And it could be flip-flopped or could, you know, I don't know. We don't, we don't know. I, I still don't know if it was the right decision, but it is, it's what we did. (laughs) So what happens next? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, (laughs) Well, um, I, I'll probably start testing on Wednesday, but like I said, I mean, we won't know for a very long time if I am pregnant, how many babies there are. Um, so there's that. And I mean, it also could just not work. Like, you know, realistically, this has been my fifth transfer and sixth embryos. And I've had one baby from all of that. So it's like the odds, unfortunately, don't feel like they're there for me for it to work. Um, So I don't, unfortunately, have a whole ton of confidence. I'm just kind of taking it day by day, enjoying the, the thought of the possibility of being pregnant, you know, but I don't know. Um, It's definitely different this time around because the first time around, it was like, what if I'm never a mom? And I had like 
many breakdowns, like being like, I, I can't accept never being a mom. Like that is something that I deeply feel a part of me that I need to feel like fulfilled, you know, and this time there isn't that level of like desperation or like panic. It's just like, I already am a mom. I'm a mom to the most perfect baby boy. And now it's just, am I going to be blessed with another perfect little miracle, you know? And, and if I'm not like, yes, I will, we will have to grieve and find a way to make peace with that. Um, but you know, we will be okay. Um, we kind of see ourselves as like the three musketeers, like the three of us, we're the three best friends. We love hanging out with each other. We have so much fun. Um, and we don't feel incomplete. Um, we just would like more (laughs) another kid, you know? And so I don't know, like I've said, like, I'm not, I'm not doing another round of IVF. Um, but honestly, like, Michelle said you weren't going to do two embryos. Yeah. I, I, there's so many. I said I wasn't going to do another round before. I said I wasn't yeah. going to do two embryos. Like, I really don't know that I could in like completely say without a shadow of a doubt that I wouldn't do another round of IVF. I don't know. Um, we certainly can't afford it right now. So it definitely would be sometime in the new year we need we need to switch insurance plans like a lot of a lot of different things um because I certainly we're going to be faced with a situation again where the meds cost six grand and we can't afford that um so it would be that we would have to get more picks yeah right I've considered I've considered it's really tough when you're a therapist though because you're like don't want weird shit about you to get out there on the internet. Um, no. Because <laughs> I know my clients be Googling me, but it's fine. They all know that I've been on podcasts and things like that. And I, I stand by what I say and I'm pretty open too. So a lot of my clients actually, I mean, have had to be open that I'm going through IVF because I have to cancel shit all the time for appointments at the drop of a hat, surgery. Yeah. Of a hat. It's been really tough. Um, but they're also accepting and loving and understanding and they just want another baby lally. So they're like, whatever, whatever you got to do. Um, so I don't know. Uh, we really, I think it's kind of like cross that bridge when we get there. Like some days I'm like, I'm not doing it again. And we just have to no. make peace with having one kid. And then other days I'm like, I don't know that I can say that for sure because I really want another baby. So I'm really hoping that we don't have to contend with that. I really am looking forward to the day where we can just like put fertility treatment, like, like close that chapter. That's what I was just saying this to my yeah. wife today. Like I'm looking forward to the day that we can just close the chapter and, and move on and just like never have to think about fertility treatments or meds or doctor's appointments or shots or whatever ever again. And just live our life. Kind of controls your life. It really does. And it's just, it's always kind of there too. Like if you're wanting to make more babies, if you're wanting to grow your family, it's like back to the clinic. Like they have a chokehold on us really. Um, And like, you know, I, my doctor is a huge blessing. Like we are so grateful for, for her and her expertise and and for Boston IVF as a whole I mean they gave us our miracle you know um so I would never like talk shit about them or whatever but it's a shady weird business too you know like (laughs) just a lot of 
vulnerable humans giving a lot of money to try to make babies. <laughs> but it's not, it's a life that I'd like to move on from. That's for damn sure. But I don't know. Well, here's hoping that this week brings good news. I know. And oh that further down the line that it's it's not twins. That it's I know. <laughs> if it is twins, I don't even know. I really... <laughs> I like to Lanny. I'm like, we're gonna have to like, like I work mornings and you work evenings or something like that. Like we literally, we can't have three kids in daycare. That's insane. That's gonna be more than our mortgage. I was gonna say there'd be no point. Literally, one of you would. It would be better for one of you just not to, to work. Stay home. No, it's very true. At that point, one of us would just have to bust our ass working and making as much money as we possibly could. But we're making more money, but we're paying more in cost and like yeah. So it just doesn't make sense. So, no. Maybe one of you will just have to stay home. I know. But then I literally am like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that would even even out, too. It's just tough. Let's let's stop. I know. I know. Like, stop it. I don't even know if I'm actually pregnant. (laughs) But, yeah, no. Like, it's like holy shit danielle you're because honestly even having two kids is going to be an added stress like yes if we had the luxury of waiting i would have waited until honestly till benny was in um like pre-k or um kindergarten so that we're only paying for one daycare because daycare is that mm-hmm. expensive and yes. i don't care about age gaps i i never had a concept of what i wanted for an age gap for kids so i don't have the luxury of planning like that so uh i don't think about that i just think about cost effectiveness but I just feel like I don't have time like with how terrible my numbers were this time around I was like Jesus like if I waited another two more years would they be even worse than that and then the doctor would be like I'm sorry you're not gonna get pregnant like or you're premenopausal or something like that was my fear so I don't know man ultimately like the joy that we feel being parents overshadows any of that too so we Mm -hmm. figure it out final question what are three things you wish you could tell or share to a mom or even like a family that is going through what you're going through right now um okay I talked to my wife about this because I was like what do you think too um I think the first thing is that getting pregnant isn't always easy Um, I think that is such a myth that was really like shoved down our throats, like from being a teenager that like, if you come into contact, if you are a woman and you come into contact with sperm, you are getting pregnant. And like, it was just, I remember being terrified of getting pregnant as a teenager. And so I just assumed, like, I really just assumed that like, can't be that hard. Um, Mm-hmm. And I really didn't hear a lot about people having a hard time getting pregnant, like older than me. It's like, I feel like it's something more n- now recently that people are opening up about that. It's a thing. Um, so that is definitely something that like, I think, you know, knowledge is power. And I think women should definitely go and, you know, get blood work done, like start asking questions, advocating for themselves, like, because you just don't know. And I don't want anyone to be like blindsided like I was. Um, 
So, you know, off of that, my second thing was that the another thing that I think is incredibly important is to recognize the immense emotional toll that infertility has on people. Um, I, like I said before, like I had just no idea that this is going to be such an emotional roller coaster. And I consider myself a pretty resilient, tough person. And this struggle really brought me to my knees literally multiple times um, with just these big breakdowns of panic and pain, honestly, pain. Like there was plenty of times I excused myself from mother's day gatherings or baby showers or things like that, because I was like, I just can't do it. I can't go and put on a happy face when I'm struggling so hard right now with something that I want so badly. And then I have to just go show up like, Yeah. yeah. And pretend like I'm fine and not affected. Um, and I really describe it as like it's a roller coaster that like you didn't know you were getting on and you can't get off of it. Like there's like this this constant cycle of like hope because you know you you're in a new step of treatment or you added a new medication or like you ch- you changed this thing or it's a new cycle and then the dip like the downfall of like the despair because yet again something didn't work um, and. I just, I don't think anyone can prepare you for that. Um, no. And I always say, like, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy because, like, the, there is an immense physical toll and a physical shit and, like, surgeries and um, procedures and things like that you have to go through. And those definitely suck, but the emotional stuff is 10 times worse. Um, and then I think another takeaway, too, is that and this may not be for everybody but I do think this is something that it doesn't get talked about a lot with folks that deal with infertility is that having a baby doesn't make it easier like I'm still infertile um the trauma and the effects of that are still very much there I still get triggered I still deal with pain and jealousy and anger and you know ugly emotions with it even though my perfect little miracle is sleeping across the hall right now um and I'm so so grateful for him and he is everything I could ever want but I'm still sad and it's still hard um and I think people are kind of like well you did it like you went through IVF you had a baby like you're fixed, you know, but it's like, no, I'm still infertile. (laughs) Like that didn't change. This is the only way I can get pregnant. And that's hard. And it doesn't, it doesn't change and it doesn't go away. So that might be, it's funny because I didn't even think of that. And now I'm getting emotional talking about it. So clearly it impacts me. Um, But my wife is like, I was like, I can't think of a third one. And my wife was like, what about it still hurts? And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's definitely it. <laughs> um, like that is something that I don't think people would think about. Yeah, and that's like, not even going into it. I don't even think you would think about that. Yeah, I think my two of my like closest friends also went through IVF um, and had boys. It's crazy. So it's like the three of us. We have our IVF baby boys, and they're like six months, a year, and two years. It's pretty interesting. And um. Even just recently, my friend who has a six-month-old was like, 
God, I swear I saw three pregnancy announcements this week and I'm just like, I, I like can't handle it. And I'm like, no, like I have a two-year-old and I still can't handle it. Like it's a lot. Um, and you know, she's like, I just, I think to myself, like I, I beat this. I won. Like, why am I still upset? And I'm like, yeah, like we, we want, we won the prize in the baby, but like, we still have that diagnosis and that doesn't change. And yeah. if we want to grow our families, we have to go through it all over again. And it's like, who, it, it does feel a little insane to be like, yeah, sounds good. Let me, let me do this all over again. And like, even though we're, we're through one, you know, chapter of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's really hard to let go of how unfair it is. Like, seriously, <laughs> like you, you didn't have to go through 17 different tests or pay thousands of dollars or go through multiple surgeries to have your baby. What do you mean? Like I, you know, and, and that's going to happen all the time because that's reality. I think it's an appropriate, I don't think this is the right word, but I'm going to say it. And I don't mean it the way that it sounds. I think it's an appropriate jealousy though. Hmm. Like I think it's, you did all of this work and they did nothing. Hmm. Like you deserve this baby. Not that they don't deserve to have a baby, but like you deserve this child. You did everything to get this yeah. child. And they, they did what? I know. And like, I want everybody who wants to be parents to be parents. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, jealousy is not an attractive quality and it's not something like there's a lot of shame, you know, like that goes into it too. Cause it's like, I don't want to be sitting here wishing it's not like I wish the bad things would happen to people, but like, I, 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 I guess it's like, why, why do I have to struggle when other people don't <laughs> like take a walk in my shoes? It's just not the unfairness yeah. of it with the universe. I don't know. I don't know who I'm mad at. Like <laughs> it just, it sucks and it waxes and wanes. Like there's plenty of times where I don't think about it and I let it go and you know, I'm just watching my son and being a mom and it's, it's awesome. And then there's other days where I'm like, oh my God, like every holiday that goes by, I always prepare for the round of pregnancy announcements that are going to come out or whatever. Cause you know, some cute little saying that goes with like Santa's not the only one coming this Christmas or whatever the hell, I don't know, like all the weird shit, but like, it's just, it's constant and now that I've also kind of made myself like a little bit of a face for talking about infertility and especially like queer family planning um I like and people don't don't really know this and wouldn't know this because I'm not that open about it I guess but I have constantly have people coming to me asking me how I got pregnant how do I track this what do I do about this um or just randomly being like, oh my God, we're pregnant, like just constantly. And so that is the downside of like being so open about it is then people also feel like they don't necessarily have to have any like discretion. Um, but it's like, no, like I, I have feelings <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it would be helpful for people to be like, Hey, can I ask you about X or, um, can I share something with you about 
blah 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 or like because like my friends who have gone through infertility like they're so good about it like they'll be like are you in the place for me to talk to complain to you about my pregnancy or are you in the place for me to ask you a question about meds or something and I'm always like immediately if you preface it with that I'm like yes please shoot like because you approached me with like checking in about how I'm doing but if you're just coming at me like spilling all this stuff about who knows what, what. I'm like yeah. oh my god and then and then I've had people like get upset with me that I'm not responding in the way that I want they want me to or like well I should understand their struggles or things like that and I'm like yeah but like you're asking me to like suddenly have all this like emotional energy that you have no clue that I, I have it or not you know and there's like an emotional responsibility both ways here like I can't just be at everyone's disposal here like it's a lot for me like I've definitely had people come to me and be like like you weren't that happy for me when I told you about my pregnancy or things like that and I'm like yeah because this is a lot for me um and it's not fair to just come into a conversation about something that is a very heavy topic for me expecting a certain reaction from me you know and from anybody <laughs> from anybody with anything honestly um I think we all need to be a lot more emotionally responsible and checking in with people about things and where they're at right but like especially something that is a trauma for people you know and mm-hmm. infertility and my struggle with it is very much traumatic for me um so I think, I don't know, I guess that's an added bonus takeaway too. Is like, yes. Like even having people, be, be mindful that people are not going to be receptive, not receptive, but people aren't going to be mindful of your feelings. Yeah. Like I think even people who, we never know what happens behind the scenes and we never know what battles no. people are facing on a daily basis. Right. And so you know, even somebody who, like, I pride myself in being, like, an infertility warrior, you know, and an IVF mama, and, like, they're huge pieces of my identity, but I think people make a lot of assumptions about that that aren't necessarily true, and that that I have this unlimited bandwidth to talk about this stuff, and I don't, like, I just don't, I, I get tapped out just like, yeah, just like anybody else would, and um, so it would be helpful <laughs> For folks to do a temperature check when they want to talk about sensitive subjects um, with anyone about anything, really, <laughs> but especially mm-hmm. when it's something that is like a known trauma. I, I think that's a therapist thing. I have a, one of my best friends. We always say, do you have the space for me right now? Yeah. Because we know if you don't yeah. have the space for me, I'm not going to throw what I have on. I think that is huge. I think that's yes. huge. And I, it's definitely something that I see more of us putting into practice on a regular basis too. Like, yeah. because we can't just expect people to be ready for everything at all times. Like, it's just, I'm like, I could have just lost an epic battle with a two-year-old. No, I don't want to hear about your drama with your ex or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> even something like that. Like, I'm like, and it doesn't mean I love you any less. It just means there's nothing left in here. <laughs> there's definitely days where I lay in bed and I'm falling asleep and Annie wants to talk to me about, I don't know, something, who knows. And I'm like, honey, we're done talking. We're done. I'm done for the day. <laughs> like, 
I had seven clients back to back, three of which were suicidal. And then I, we dealt with a two-year-old all night. No, no, no talkie anymore. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Try again tomorrow. I am shutting off. I have nothing left. <laughs> we are depleted and we, we will restart tomorrow. Yes. It's <laughs> a new day. Tonight is done. Yeah. She's probably going to be like, oh my God, you talk this poor girl's ear off. <laughs> no. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us for the second episode of sharing your IVF journey and being a queer mom and how doing all of this is different for you guys. Thank you for being honest and open. If you guys liked this episode and want to see more, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you guys have any comments or questions for Danielle, hit the comments below and I will direct them straight to Danielle. So that way she can kind of help you guys in your journey and your experience. If you guys want to see daily reels or get some interesting facts, follow my Instagram, also my Facebook. I am no longer banned from TikTok only because I made a new TikTok. So here's my TikTok page for all of the fun videos that I wanted to post and now can vote. So cheers, Danielle. Cheers. I have nothing left, but cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my big water bottle too. <laughs> and as always, moms and besties, thank you for joining. And as moms, I hope you continue to survive and thrive. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, besties. <laughs>